Rusty Quill presents. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20 20, 20 ready to get 20 20, ready to get 15 15, 15 15, just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Want truly hydrated skin? Meet Osea's Body Care Breakthrough. Hyaluronic Body Serum. It's clinically proven to increase hydration by 161%. It's lightweight, fast-absorbing, and delivers 24 hours of hydration for silky smooth skin without any sticky afterfeel. Treat your skin to clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order with code SUMMER at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code SUMMER. Bonjour, mon frère. I do not know if you actually listen back to these things. Or... Honestly, a part of me hopes that you don't. You are sleeping now, which is good. I know I should wait for you to wake up and speak to you, but in honesty, mon frère, I am a coward. You would think after this many years of life, I would have learned how to better stay on top of things like this, but no. I am sorry. That is the main thing I want to say to you. I'm sorry. Not just for what happened earlier, but for everything else too. I can only hope that I can make it up to you. That you'll find it in yourself to forgive me. It has been some time since I've last lived in such proximity with another person, and I am finding it more difficult than I imagined I would. That is not your fault, Mangaler. None of this is your fault. None. I made a promise to you that I would not let you drown. I cannot very well keep it if I insist on dragging you into the depths with me. There will be so much time to talk about all of this, I promise you. One of the greatest gifts of immortality is the luxury of time. Of course, this is also one of its cruelest punishments. 
This is not quite dead. Episode 20, Snow on Snow. I found that memories, unless I go out of my way to recall them, slip through my mind like water through my fingers. Those things I do remember are now stories I tell, so far removed from anything like ordinary memory as to be something else entirely. At a guess I would say I am more capable of holding on to memory than the average human, but I do not know for sure. I only know that time erodes my life as water erodes a rock caught in the riverbed, sorting it slowly down to sand. I remember now mostly other rememberings. I think now of things that have happened in my youth and they may have well have happened to some other man. And I only remember the youth of this life, the first hundred years or so after I made the change. My life before I was turned, it is gone from me. If nothing else, I have made sure to hold on to the memory of that old life slipping away. The gentle horror of realising that I could no longer remember the faces of my family or whether I had a family at all. It is, as I have told you before, one of my greatest fears that my first act in this new life was one of a great and terrible violence. That I killed my whole family, left them to rot. But of course I can never be sure if that old nightmare is real or imagined. I still dream it from time to time. Mostly the dream is blood. Blood in pools on tiles, blood dripping from still hands. The taste of it, the smell of it. I see their blue eyes staring at me, all the blue I follow red around them, blue eyes like mine. I see now why it is you enjoy talking into your little machine. The words come easier to me with no interruptions, no questions. I do not like to talk about the past. I do not like to think about the great gaping holes that are in my memories of it. We all bring our contexts along with us. Nos sacs de chises Ah, bags of misery injure. There is happiness too, of course, but somehow I find the pain is stickier. That is why I make such deliberate efforts now to notice pleasure. I dedicate myself to it. I am committed to it. I'm going to live forever, mon coeur. I refuse to do it in the bosom of misery. Ugh. This is why it is frustrating to me when you ask it, you see. When you ask what I remember of my life, how can I answer? Hurt, mostly, for a very long time, but that is not its meaning. For so long I was just surviving, Monker. You cannot possibly understand what it was like. I did not have chance to think to do more than just continue to survive. It was brutal and desperate. What more do you want to know? That is how I feel when I am asked, and that is what I remember of it. Endless stretches of hunger and desperation, feeling like I might have perished every moment I continued not to. Sometimes I longed for the end to come. Is that what you want to know? Does it help you to know of my suffering, mon Rale? Does it help you to reckon with what I have become? If it does, please do explain it to me, because I cannot see the connections for myself. I wish for you to know as little of this suffering as possible. I do not want you to know what happened to me, because then you may feel somehow that you owe me suffering. Or perhaps that you owe it to yourself, I do not know. But the world, the universe, it has no respect for such things. You cannot bargain with reality. It simply remains as it is. Am I at peace with it? 
Honestly, I'd have to conclude that I am not, because I cannot talk about it without feeling some small ghost of that old pain again, even when I do not remember what happened. After thousands of years, Mokale, I can still feel those old aches within me. In fact, I would go as far as saying I do not even crave to be at peace with them. I think it is an awful thing to ask a person who has suffered to embrace it with neutrality and composure. No, it seems to me that kind of thing is meant to make it easier only for whoever is listening to the story. I think about the scars on my back, those lash marks, and they make me angry, even though I do not remember anymore how I came by them. I will never know. It is impossible to find this out, because there was no written word as you know it now when I was human. And these scars, they were a part of me before I was born into this life. Even though I cannot know about it, I'm still angry about it. Because who would fucking dare to do that to someone, eh? What a monstrous act of brutality and violence. And the idea is that I'm supposed to consider this neutrally? No, Mert, no. I will not do it. But you ask what snatches of my life come back to me when I think upon them. You have asked it more than once and as you are not sitting here waiting for me to reply... Because you cannot watch and judge what other answer I give and the feelings I place within it. I shall try to answer. Your little machine, it is a good machine, I suppose, for this. Ugh. I remember when I woke up new, I was naked and covered in blood. I know there was nobody else there, nobody alive. I know all of this because I spent the next hundred years trying to find whoever had done this to me. Whoever had turned to me and left. Mostly I wandered the empty landscapes. I would walk for weeks, my feet bloody, growing a rabbit with hunger. I would cross a settlement of people, sometimes small encampments of those who were more nomadic, and I would kill all I could catch. It was not intentional. I was fueled only by the drive to sate my hunger, the drive to subsist. It was all I could do. In the brief moments of sanity when I had drunk enough blood to clear my head, I would be filled with awful regret and horror of myself. It was an incredibly lonely way to live. There were simply fewer people. It was so long between each group I came across that I would be starving every time. In desperation I hunted animals, but their blood made me sick and only made the hunger worse. I do not know how long I lived like this. I know that it felt like an age, like it would never be over. In moments of clarity, I would question what the point of my existence was. I was thoroughly miserable and utterly alone. I flung myself from cliffs. I tried to drown in the sea. I cut my own throat. All any of this succeeded in doing was making me hungrier than before. If I think about it seriously now, I know that had I truly wanted to die, I would be dead. I know how to kill a vampire, and I cannot remember a time where I did not know this, so... It must be knowledge I have had for a while, and I can't imagine it's something I could not have worked out for myself efficiently if I've put my mind to it. So I can only assume that those attempts on my own life were an act of penance I performed to soothe the guilt that racked me all my waking life. Eventually, after some time wandering like this, I met another vampire. I cannot remember who they were or what the encounter was like, only that it happened. After that, my life continued as before, except now with the knowledge that I was not alone. I met others along the way, pieced together some knowledge of what I had become. At some point I learned that whoever had made me had been like this themselves and had still left me alone. It was uncommon, even then, for a vampire to leave one I had made behind like this. Why would someone go to all of the efforts or make a new vampire only to abandon them this way? The odds of a successful creation are so low that you would think it bizarre. 
I could only assume that whoever did this found me unsatisfactory somehow. This I remember very keenly, the sense that I had done wrong somehow, in some deep and fundamental manner. Something about me and who I was had come out bad and wrong. Although I was a vampire and I knew other vampires existed, I was still so desperate for my suffering to be about some central fatal flaw. I tell you this, mon râleur, because I know this is something that is hurting you now. Because I know what it is like to feel like you are somehow insufficient. That you have been damaged irreparably and fundamentally. I know what it is like because I have lived in those feelings myself for many years. I called them home. And for me, it was because it was comforting. I am not sure if it makes sense, but in some way, the notion I was simply somehow deeply broken was a comfort to me, because it meant that I did not have to try. For me, it felt as though either I would be flawless and perfect, or I was malformed, ruinous, irredeemable somehow. Of course, it is absurd. Everyone has their strengths and flaws. Nobody has perfection, and everybody needs some accommodation or other to get by. But we hold ourselves to a different standard than the ones we hold others to, don't we? And my need for comfort in my own misery was so strong that it distorted the lens through which I saw the whole world. I was so convinced of my own deficiency, mon chaleur, that in an important way I was living in a different reality. One which placed everything in a hierarchy. And I was at the bottom of it. You will notice that this too is a form of self-centeredness. Perhaps I am not the best, but I am the worst. I am the most important, but here it is derogatory. Ah, now you will be thinking this is what I think that you are doing. It is not. Well, a little I think you are doing this, mon chaleur. You are very convinced that you are terrible, even though you are basically just fine. Being sort of okay is actually okay, you know. It does not mean that you are the worst, simply because you are not the best. In the Casper Twelpats, Alan Connard, you are fine, mon coeur. I imagine it is harder remembering that you are human. I do not remember being human at all anymore. I have tried to recover the memories, but it has proved impossible. I have memories which span thousands of years of myself attempting this task, and it never went anywhere. I think perhaps I have some quiet memory where I am committing myself either to hold on to that life or to let it go forever, but it's murky and strange, and probably imagined. Memory is like this, I have learned, far more embellished and unreliable than we would like it to be. From the scars on my back, I do wonder if it is not a good thing that I do not remember my human life. Either way, I have no point of comparison for how human or not this need for touch is. How human or not I am as a being overall. What I have lost, what I have to lose, what all of it might mean. All I know is that I am this, Nej, and I am a vampire, and I do not want to die. I do not believe any creature is inherently bad. I think that all lives desire to live, and I think to even consider who may or may not deserve that privilege is folly. All that leaves us with then is how we consider ourselves and everyone else around us as creatures that do live. We? The way different creatures exist, they require different things, and some of those things are violent, and that is not necessarily comfortable for us, the observer. We do not want the penguin to be swallowed by the whale, but it will be. For the whale wants to live as does the penguin. The penguin after all ate the fish, and the fish the krill. Who are we to deny the krill's desire for life as less or more meaningful than the desire of the whale? I know that I am not human. I cannot tell you how different my thoughts and feelings are from human thoughts and feelings, but I can tell you it seems that we are alike in more ways than most humans or vampires would be comfortable. 
I know that as a vampire, my needs are different to human needs. There is no shame in this. Shame perhaps in wanton violence, but in the need to live? No. The desire for life is the most fundamental thing of all, is it not? To me, it seems like to remember my human life would be to constantly see myself through the eyes of something that I am not. Like a cat who is only able to see himself through the perspective of a mouse. Of course I would think I was a monster then. But I am not a mouse, and neither are you. We are different creatures to them, mon frère. And that is why our behaviour, that is why our behaviour is frightening when viewed through their eyes. They want to live. We want to live too. How can wanting to live be wrong? It is the most natural thing of all. And it is wanting to live, too, not to simply exist. All of those early days of my life amidst the spotty memories I can recall, a great deep loneliness within myself, like a bleeding wound. I remember I carried it with me wherever I went, and I found no comfort for it amongst human or vampire for an awfully long time. Even after those dead days began to recede and I was able to spend more time amongst other people without feeling that feral need to kill. By then, the shape of what humans were doing had begun to change. There was more farming happening at a far greater scale, and the first great cities were being built. I moved into those places of bustling life with the foxes and the rats, found my home in the new shadows between closely placed houses. It was a fascinating and exhilarating time. More people close to one another meant more ideas, more minds to bounce them off one another, more innovation. It also meant more vampires. So many humans so close together meant that cities drew attention of those of us nearby. There was more food, more hiding places. It was easier for us to hunt and to blend in. And it was the first time for many of us that we could regularly feed enough to think and function at a level higher than beasts for more than a few days at a time. I do not think that before this time there had been much planning on strategizing between vampires. As I mentioned, I do not have much memory of my early life, but I do know that those vampires I have met seemed to live in small groups, a creator and those they had made most of the time. There was a problem, though, with these groups. Vampire blood will not infinitely replenish. Drinking from a vampire leads less nutritious blood than one might obtain from a similarly sized human. However, these processes work, there cannot be a state of infinite energy where vampires share blood between one another, and soon, in such a situation, more human blood is needed. However, this does not stop vampires from attacking one another if they become too deeply focused on the drive to kill. The hungrier a vampire gets, the more dangerous it becomes to humans and to other vampires alike. Naturally, you can see how this would be a problem. These little families were highly prone to becoming one regretful vampire with a belly full of those they had previously hunted alongside, and a heart filled with guilt. I will never know this for sure, but I am certain the cause of death for most vampires was other vampires. It would be a close tie between this and starvation. As the cities began to grow, things began to change. Loose communities began to form, systems of behaviour and expectation were established. But vampires, despite our potential to live for dizzying lengths of time, do not come with a long life expectancy. Still, many vampires were killed by one another or else died of starvation. Because most vampires live such short lives, any culture we formed was also brief. I do not know why I lived and the others did not. I do not think I am especially smart or gifted. A confluence of coincidences occurred which allowed me to live, and I am grateful for it, but that is all that it was. A coincidence. I did not even particularly value my own life at the time, I do not think.
I did not for a long time. I am perhaps talking longer and more about this than I should. What I want you to know is that it is okay. The way you're feeling right now, whatever it is, it's okay. And there is no shame in it, even if shame may be a part of the process for you. Please know it is unnecessary to blame yourself. I... I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what happened earlier and for my inability to speak to you directly about it. Please do not think it means I do not care for you, Monker. I do, very much. These things have never come easy to me. I can grow used to a great deal of situations, Monkala, but the truth is I have come to anticipate isolation and a struggle to adapt when that expectation is defied. And I do not say this as an excuse, only as an explanation. I would like to talk about these things with you sometime, if you are willing. I do not know how to begin, but I am sure the words will come to me eventually. Please give me patience, Monkala. The one thing that we certainly have is time. Not Quite Dead is a podcast written, edited and produced by Aira Major under a Creative Commons 4.0 attribution license. To support the show, go to patreon.com forward slash hanging studios. Live. Laugh. Bite. Thank you.